With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, welcome to the very first RB1 podcast, a fantasy football podcast uh, brought to you by FateTeams.com. Uh, I am your host, Peter Rogers, joined by, as always, Jonathan E. Barnett. Jonathan, how are you? I am great. It's uh, it's late in the day for both of us. We've had a couple of goes uh, trying to work out some kinks here, but it's it's good to get going at least. Finally yeah, this. hopefully this will finally be the one that clicks after uh, some much <laughs> much work on our parts to get the technology uh, functioning, but but we're finally here. Finally, All right, this was this was not our first careers, obviously. So. <laughs> but hopefully we can keep keep it going as our current ones. Right. Um, so. Preseason is just well, actually just started. Um, uh, we, we have the Panthers, and it was Panthers and Texans who are playing today. Um, decent game, uh, but anyways, but we'll take, we'll start off the podcast. We'll take a look at our top two hundred uh, fantasy uh, fake teams posted that we posted that about I would say two or three weeks ago, um, and so we'll look at some differences that we had among our picks for the top two hundred. Uh, then we'll talk a little bit. I wrote a wide receiver sleepers article today for the site. You should go check it out. Uh, we'll talk about some sleepers who we are liking because it's wide receiver week at fake teams. Uh, and then we'll uh, look at look ahead at the rest of the preseason schedule for this week and see what games we're excited for for fantasy things. So hopefully we'll come in, keep it quick, and uh, get some good content going. So let's start off. Um, let's start off with the top 200 review. Uh, if you want to. Feel free to go to Fake Teams and check it out. Uh, we, us, my, myself, Jonathan, and uh, Koji, we ranked all of our top 200 fantasy players, compiled it all together, gave you a whole compilation list. It was a lot of work and a lot of fun. Um, but we're going to take a peek at some people who were kind of uh, not disagreeing on, but our but our ranks are, are noticeably different. So, Jonathan, give me one of the people who you were higher on than uh, myself or Koji. I should start off with the one that was dead wrong. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I was higher on Kenneth Dixon, uh, and that's not going to matter. It's a moot point at this point. I had him 99th uh, in our, you know. So, I mean, I I didn't have him tearing up. Crazy high, but. No, I mean, even among running backs, you're not taking him as your one. um, Maybe like a late two sort of guy. Um uh, uh, you you had him at 117. Goji had him at uh, 113. So you guys were very close on him. Um, I just uh, I, I think that it, in a purely football sense, he does the sorts of things that Ray Rice used to do for them. He's <laughs> he's a stout guy. Uh, he's got good speed. Um, if you watched him at La Tech, the things that he does beyond just being the second all time in touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously against lesser competitions uh, than a lot of the other players uh, that that are just below him in those numbers. 
but uh, he has incredible hands. Uh, there's there's some plays, sideline plays. There's um, things like that where you're watching, uh, and his body control and his hands uh, look like receivers out there. He's a guy who can play every down. Uh, obviously, him going down is one of those things, and I think I put that up uh, in one of my articles a week or two ago uh, about him going down. Um, he was a guy who was going to take all the carries looking in the first and second down and take Terrence West carries. And he's the kind of guy who was going to steal catches away on third down plays or at least steal snaps and stuff away from uh, Danny Woodhead. Yeah. And but, I, well, no, he's not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was, was wrong, but I think I stand by my pick. I still think he's one of those guys who, I mean, we got to see it, I guess, at this point. Right. It's been two straight years of him getting hurt. Um, and so that's it. The other, the other two big ones I had, um, Devonte Adams is a guy I had a little higher. I had him about ten picks ahead of you, uh, and Goji. You guys were thirty six and thirty four. I had him at twenty five. Um, and to be fully honest on him, I, I think he's going to have a, a year worse than last year. But he had a ridiculous sort of year, and it was very touchdown dependent. Uh, he was second in the NFL in touchdown receptions. Uh, he had uh, he had seventy some odd uh, catches. He had nine hundred ninety seven yards, I believe, if I'm just recalling correctly. Um, he's in that two spot now, uh, and we're going to see Randall Cobb kind of hanging in that uh, slot position as the third or whatever option now with Martellus Bennett in there. And I still like Adams. I think he. He got a very bad rap in that second year of his because he got hurt, missed some time, he had some bad ankle issues, and I think he's still going to be very relevant as a kind of a late wide receiver one, uh, early wide receiver two, uh, depending on your formats there. And I think he's going to get a lot of targets still. Um, clearly Aaron Rodgers trusts him. He throws him a lot of balls in positions where he's not terribly open. Mm-hmm. He'll still drop more than he ought to, but he'll catch as he shouldn't. Give so, me, give me who's who are like uh, one or two wide receivers who are in that area who you would take you would prefer Adams over. Oh, I mean, just kind of pop over on some of these things because uh, for me, the, my only worry with Adams and the reason I had bumped him down a little bit is again, it is just because I feel like that range most of the time you can still get number one option or number one receivers in an offense. And I know it's, I know in the Packers offense is a little crazy to pigeonhole someone as a a number two receiver because both receivers, I mean, obviously Jordy is gets the bulk of Rogers' work, but also, I mean, Adams has put together a great season last year and was able to really thrive in that role as a number two and obviously perform fantasy wise. Uh, But I'm just wondering if there are receivers out there in the kind of number one slate who are set to be starters for their team that you would actually prefer Adams over? Uh, looking at my list here, guys like um, Allen Robinson, mm-hmm. uh, Sammy Watkins. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't particularly trust Sammy Watkins yet. I don't know what he did. I mean, like last year, he seemed to disappear yeah. uh, huge chunks of the season. Uh, and they went out and got another wide receiver. So I don't think his targets are going up. Yeah, uh, I think he's going to lose some here. Uh, I prefer Adams personally over Doug Baldwin. Wow. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Part of that just maybe 
I think Doug Baldwin is a nice receiver. Yeah. Um, I have them. I mean, so everyone knows if they haven't already looked at the list, I have them 25 and 26. Okay, so they're right next to each other. They're right in that. I just, I personally give them a slight edge. You guys have Baldwin a little ahead of me. I know you had him at 24. Yeah. That's actually one where Koji, I think, was way ahead of us. He had him at 7, no, uh, yeah, 17. He had him at like 17. Um, I think he's a guy, Baldwin's a guy who's going to get you like 1,000 yards and 65, 70 catches and five touchdowns. He is, uh, he is crazy consistent. I was looking back over his like the last three fantasy seasons, and you know exactly what you're going to get when you draft him. But I can yeah, yeah. I can see that he is an, only an upside as opposed to uh, he has a, a ceiling. Yeah, the other thing too is I think that the Seahawks kind of decided that they really are just a running team. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to cut back on some of their throwing. They went out and got another big back who they're just going to try to run straight ahead. Since they have put no money whatsoever in, in that, that offense, offense line. Oh my God, it's garbage. They just need another offensive lineman who can carry a ball, and that's Eddie Lacy, who I had higher than you oh, guys. Oh, that people is what we call in the business a perfect segue. <laughs> that was masterful. Man, um, he's down to two forty-five. It's going to happen. It's going to leave it <laughs> because they're going to pay him enough KFC money or oh, uh, just McDonald's money to get him out there. Um. Whatever sort of, I don't know, whatever his choice of fat food is. I think he tweeted <laughs> out some stuff with uh, Burger King before. I think so, too. I could be wrong on that. Uh, <laughs> they're going to give him that money, so he's going to get down. I mean, he's going to drop the weight. Uh, I think what everyone's forgetting on Eddie Lacy is he was running over five yards of carry last year with the Packers. They just wouldn't give him the ball. They just didn't trust him for whatever reason and were insisting on throwing, which you do if you have um, Aaron Rodgers, I think, and I don't think the weight was an issue for him last year as much as what everyone said it was, but he got hurt and that season, but he was running well. He was getting five yards of carry and that's what they're going to ask him to do in Seattle. They're going to, you know, put him out there and, uh, and just run him straight ahead and he can do those sorts of things. So I think, I mean, I don't don't think he's like top or anything like that. I 27. No, he's definitely someone who I think if he can rekindle some of, I mean, like you were saying, even last year, he's he's a uh, someone who's a candidate for the kind of injury makes you forget about them award, where it's just, and also, I mean, he had the whole weight issue, but but in the fact that he did was actually having a very productive season in terms of stats uh, last year, but because the Packers weren't using him, and then he got injured. People tend to kind of forget about that, and just because it's always fun to make fun of people who can't carry, who can't <laughs> hold their weight, which is like such an absurd thing. Like that, I don't understand that process at all. Because let the guy do his thing, um, and if he can still play football at whatever weight he is, then let him play football at whatever weight he is. Um, no one complained about Jerome Bettis being two hundred and seventy pounds, or J- Brandon Jacobs, or any of those guys. Uh, so yeah. And I- Lacey's going to be somebody who's going to be motivated. He's, I believe he's just on the one-year contract, and, um, I mean, he's going to get his carries. I mean, the Packers weren't giving him 20 right. carries a game. They're giving him 15 or 10, and he's going to get his carries this year. I think he's going to be interesting, if nothing else. And it's one – I went out there a little bit on it, possibly, and I could be way wrong. You guys had him down around 60. And yeah, we had him pretty low. May or may not. I mean, it's, it's hard to tell. It's going to be an interesting look, and I just – I guess I have a little more faith in him in that – what he was doing last year was working up until he got hurt. Yeah. Yeah. No, my biggest thing with Lacey is uh, uncertainty about whether or not what, which Lacey we're going to see um, 
and then also just what, how exactly the Seahawks backfield is going to play out uh, with uh, Thomas Rawls and CJ Crozice out there. Uh, primarily Rawls, just because Rawls has had definite success in the Seahawks offense before, and whether or not they're going to rely on him. Uh, let me get my three ups, my people who I'm higher on than you guys. We'll start with uh, we'll start in the older running back category. I had Adrian Peterson at 60, uh, 60 overall, and you had him at 136, and Koji had him at 124. So I uh, clearly am on something. I don't know. You're either on to something or on something. One of the it's, options here. It's one of the options. Um, um, yeah, I, I have him. got to feel safe betting on AP, though. Right. I mean, like, when you look back at it, you're going to be like, well, you know, I went on AP. I went um, on AP. Yeah, I uh, I have him as my RB24. He's behind Spencer Ware and Eddie Lacy, which I I can accept. I'm a little upset that I put him ahead of Bilal Powell, especially now that the whole Jets offense is going to be Bilal Powell, because that's all they have in a talent perspective. So uh, so there's, there's my uh, go get that guy. Uh, and I have him above Paul Perkins, which I do not think Paul Perkins is going to have this miraculous breakout year that everyone thinks he's going to. Um, but mainly, you're like you said, I don't believe Robbie Anderson. <laughs> mainly, like you said, I mean, I just it's hard to bet against Adrian Peterson. Like people did this before when he tore his ACL and came back from that and rushed for two thousand yards. And I think you're now putting him. I understand that. He's sharing a backfield with Mark Ingram, uh, but you're putting him in a Saints offense that is unbelievably explosive, and he's playing with probably the best quarterback he's ever played with. I know he had a brief stint with Brett, but that was old Brett Favre. Um, playing with the best, probably best quarterback he's ever played with in an offense that is the, probably the best offense he's ever played in. And I think that now that he's no longer going to be that number one uh, option, that it might open up things for him. I do think his production, his fantasy production is going to be reliant on touchdowns. I do think that that's the role that he's going to kind of fit in because he's not a natural pass catcher. And I think Ingram's going to stay kind of in that pass catching role. Uh, but I could see him filling. I mean, Latavis Murray last year was more or less just a goal line back for the uh, Raiders scored 12 touchdowns. 10 of those, I believe came within the red zone. Um, so there's definitely fantasy uh, fantasy production and fantasy value from someone who can just score touchdowns for you. Yeah, I, I think uh, I don't know. I I like Ingram. I don't know what goes on. The Saints don't seem to give him enough. Yeah, I think, and they're definitely trying to push him at this point. Uh, remember, they also went out and got uh, Kamara. Kamara, yeah, Kamara. So that's going to be the future of what they're going here. This is a one year investment. Was there an option? I can't remember if there was an option. I don't think so. I think it was just a one-year deal. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're not going to the Super Bowl this year. I don't think they believe that. So I don't know. I think it maybe it's just trying to push Ingram or something or maybe see if they catch fire on offense or whatever. Um, my biggest problem with him is that – and I haven't written it for the fantasy sites, but I've written it in some other places like this. If you look back um, – we remember when he came back off the ACL and everything, he had those first, uh, was it like six games. He was just incredible. Yeah. He went over yards a couple of times that year when he was, was, uh, MVP. He had the, no, it wasn't the MVP, I guess it was the, the next year where he still got like 1800 yards coming back off that big injury. And, um, but look at his last 10 games or so. And then look at the first couple of games of the next year before he got hurt again. 
Um, he was getting under three yards of carry. Uh, he was getting carries. He wasn't getting a lot of, I guess, targets or catches. Um, he wasn't breaking through. He wasn't getting past tackles. Um, he had a giant start, and I thought he faded, and that's one of the reasons I didn't have him high. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, just the, the point that he could just put it together for another year. Right. Uh, he can run pure anger, I think. So. <laughs> yes. Right. <laughs> I mean, any number of players you look and you're like, they can they can survive on pure anger if they need to. Right. Right. And, and I think he is definitely one of those guys. Uh, my other one, we'll stay with the running backs. I And I watched him tonight because I could. My boy Christian McCaffrey coming into the league. Uh, I had him 35 overall, and you guys had him both at 51. Look at that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Every minute it just lines up. And we don't we – don't, um, we all put ours together separately and right. then paste. So none of us saw each other's things before you had them in. Um, so that was just a magical coincidence. I yeah. was interested. I actually was interested watching McCaffrey, how the Panthers utilized him today. Cause he ran, he was included less in the passing game than I anticipated. And I understand that it's game one of the preseason. You don't really look into anything, um, but I expected him to be a little more active in the passing game. However, he did run well. They ran him through power. They ran him through zone, um, showed off his ability to be patient, wait for his blocks to kind of build. I have him as my 15th running back behind Isaiah Crowell and Carlos Hyde, above Lynch, C.J. Anderson, and uh, Joe Mixon. I just think my biggest thing for McCaffrey is I think that the uh, Panthers want to change their offensive identity. They want to include these young guys, McCaffrey and Curtis Samuel. They want to include that speed. I think they want to get Cam throwing shorter throws, uh, getting the ball out quicker so he doesn't get hit as much. And I think McCaffrey can basically just do everything for that offense. And I would not be surprised if he becomes highly implemented into it. I do think he has a little bit... My worry with him is going to be touchdowns. I don't necessarily know what his numbers, I wrote an article for fake teams a while back doing rookie project projections. And I projected him to have, I think seven total touchdowns, five of those coming through the air. Um, I think Jonathan Stewart stays as that kind of goal line. And plus you got cam who loves scoring. Goal line back. Yeah. He basically is their goal line back. Um, so I think my 35 might've been a little, this was, these were done closer to the draft than closer to now. Uh, and so I, my 35 might've been slightly influenced by my Christian McCaffrey hype, but, uh, <laughs> but I still like him. I think he offers, I think he offers a lot, uh, both as a pass catcher and a running back. Yeah, definitely. I think he gives you a, a ton of different things. What I have him in is essentially my lottery ticket sort of pick there. When I've got him down at 51, I've got him with Amir Abdullah, I've got him a little bit of Marshawn Lynch. Um, these are a couple guys there. Those three in a row, uh, guys, oh, I'm not exactly sure what I'm getting this year. Um, and they could have big ceilings. They really could. Each of them, uh, Amir and McCaffrey, both are going to get, uh, especially PPR, they're going right. to be much more involved in those things. Um, those two are both going to share some time in that backfield, but they both are going to be involved in some offenses that can do a lot of things and are going to try to get them involved. And then, you know, like Lynch is a guy who's going to be possibly very involved in, uh, in a team that moves the ball a ton and, uh, has a great passing attack and he's going to be getting the ball a lot around the goal line, I think. 
Uh, the only reason that it just I don't know what I'm getting with McCaffrey. It's hard to tell with a lot of rookie running backs, and I don't usually feel that comfortable entirely with them. Um, you don't always know what you're getting, and you can't really tell sometimes. So it's mostly mine is just hedging my bet somewhat on that pick. In yeah. that, it, I mean, you're gambling. You're trying to minimize risk, right? right. And you're playing fantasy sports. He's got risks, and so I'm putting him below guys uh, who I'm less concerned with uh, higher up my list. I got him behind a lot of wide receivers, too. Uh, but, yeah, in that area with uh, Marshawn Lynch, uh, above Marshawn Lynch, I have Mark Ingram, too, who mm-hmm. I have questions there because, like you said, Adrian Peterson's lurking. Alvin Kamara's lurking. I don't know what they're going to do with him either. So it's the risk factor is the only thing that's bringing him down to where I had him. Uh, I don't think in terms of the RB numbers, we were terribly far off. I just think it's more of the overall picks. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, And then finally, my shocker, as it might come to anyone who reads any article, since I love to include this guy in every article I ever write, (laughs) Terrell Pryor. What? I know, crazy that I would have him at 29 (laughs) overall, uh, whereas you, Jonathan, have him at 40 and Koji had him at 33. Uh, I still have him as my wide receiver 13, which I think is pretty impressive for me. Uh, I did, really worked hard to keep him out of my top 10 because that would just be me hyping him up to an umpteenth degree that is just unbelievable. Uh, uh, but nonetheless, I mean, I've, I've spoken at length about how amazing Terrell Pryor is and how much I think that he's going to be able to just burst out in an offense that is going to be, I think he's going to be the focal point of that offense, especially with Jordan Reed. I mean, you're never really sure how much you're going to get Jordan Reed because he's had these injury problems in the past. Uh, And I think, obviously, Kirk Cousins is a massive upgrade from the random combination of RG3, Clipboard Jesus, and Pryor himself that he got playing quarterback with the Browns last year. so I'm I'm all in on Terrell Pryor, and he is definitely someone who I think I will probably overdraft uh, in multiple leagues. But nonetheless, I'm hoping that hoping that he pays pays off like gangbusters. Yeah, we had a good range on that one actually. Um, going to a new team, new quarterback. We've definitely seen good things for him coming out of camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's definitely been all over their Twitter feed coming out of Washington. I know, I love it. Lots of little videos of him. He's had some nice plays. Um, I, I really don't like the hype of players through their, their, you know, running around in shorts, <laughs> but you know, because, because teams are also, they're messing with you. They're deliberately messing with you when they they're running their Twitter like that. So I don't know. Um, probably going to end up closer to Koji just, <laughs> just because he's got him kind of in between us here. Yeah. He's got 33, uh, like you said, I think. And, um, I got a little lower. I guess I don't know where he's going to fit in the scheme of it. He's probably going to end up being the one. They've got Doxon. They've got Crowder there. Uh, they definitely throw a ton. Uh, they've been one of the higher volume teams, I think, ever since um, Gruden got there. And I don't know that anybody's – I think I heard on ESPN that he's, they've been the highest volume of passing since he got there. That just no team throws more. Um, but – you could be entirely right on this, and it's hard to tell. My Again, it's one of those things where I'm like, uh, if I'm really looking at this, somebody staying in the system they had right. with the quarterback they already had, um, I'm just giving a slight edge to some of those players. And I'm looking back at this now, and there's a couple names in there I'm not 
I've got him below Sammy Watkins. I don't know why I would do that. <laughs> That's always the worst. I was looking over this too again, and I'm like, because we wrote these, we did this, we published this 200 ranking. I mean, pro- at least at least a month ago, probably more. I think three or four months or weeks. Now. Yeah. So, yeah. And so look- I think I'm kind of in that area with Keenan Allen. Um, yeah, I like that. And I do have him below a couple names right now. I'm looking. I'm just like, I don't know. Um, you know, like Sammy Watkins, Allen Robinson, Demaryius Thomas are the next three ahead of that. And I, those were names I was just reading a little bit ago, but guys, I'm not as sold on it as, uh, yeah, I have, I have them both Alshon and Allen Robinson and just below Baldwin and Hopkins. Uh, Yeah, that's, I don't have any problem with that, that ranking, I guess. Uh, Alshon's the one will be interesting. And that's going to be one of the things I'll bring up later. I think when we get into our, our teams and such that we're talking about, um, let's quickly just do, let's bang out, uh, give me two downs, two people who you were not so hot on in the 200 that, uh, Koji and myself were, were all about. Yeah. I'll try to keep just an idea. I'm a little lower on Odell Beckham than you guys. Not terribly. I had him at 12. You had him six. Koji had him five. Oh, that's Mostly. terribly. That's terribly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of, like I have twice as far down from one as you do. Um, but I just have a little less faith in him. Uh, I think he's a little up and down. He's a little emotional, and who knows when he's going to get kicked out of a game again. So it's it's hard to kind of get some of that. Fair. Uh, and I just I just had other receivers that I thought were more stable in terms of their their production week to week. Um, but here's <laughs> here's a weird one. Uh, Jamal Williams, I had lower than both you guys. Um, but as I pointed out in some of our, our pre-production notes, we all still have him as an RB2. We have Montgomery, pardon me. Right. Ty Montgomery as an RB2, essentially. is. Um, I think you and I both have him at 20, an RB20 yeah. and go get him at 15. Um, but we've got Jamal Williams in different spots. You guys ranked him higher. Go get him at 114 overall. That seems high. Uh, it seems high, especially when you've got – he had Ty Montgomery right. at 15. It, uh, I don't know where he's getting his carries. There's this mythology that Jamal Williams is going to be the banger because you know he's this big thumping running back. They're like the same height and weight. <laughs> it, I don't know if people remember this, but Ty Montgomery's not little. He's about the same size. I think he's like three pounds heavier, apparently, than Williams. So that's one that I just thought was interesting. I think a lot of people are higher on Jamal Williams than I am. So, and that's coming from a resident Packers fan. So. <laughs> Take, like, yeah. take note, everyone. If, <laughs> if the resident Packers fan thinks Jamal Williams is not worth the hype, then he is not worth the hype. Yeah. Uh, I might one of the few. I, I might not be uh, speaking for all of <laughs> Packer Nation. All Packers group here, but uh, I think so. And that's, I'm not alone, at least, but yeah. I'm, I'm in there. So, uh, My two people who I was down on, I've written about this before. I'm down on Cam Newton. I think he, if you. The biggest thing for me is the fact that Ron Rivera has spoken multiple times about how they want to get Cam to run the ball less. And if you take that away from Cam, he becomes a very, very, very average quarterback, um, especially in fantasy. And so if you're taking away his best attribute in in terms of fantasy points, then I'm not sold on him. I have him behind Winston, Mariota, Dak, Derek Carr, uh, which I think is – that's a whole – group of guys who I'm really high on. Uh, and I'm, I have them ahead of Big Ben, Philip Rivers, and Stafford. Uh, Big Ben, I just think, is going to be an utter trash. Um, my other guy who I was low on, 
I had for numbers. I had Cam as my number uh, ninety-two. You had him at sixty-seven, and Koji had him at eighty-one, I believe. Um, and then I had yes. Stefan Diggs also low. I had him at seventy-two. Uh, you had him at fifty-six, and Koji had him at forty-nine. My biggest thing for Stefan Diggs was his offensive production once North Turner weirdly stepped away from football in the middle of the season. Uh, with Norv, he had 35 receptions, 52 targets for 35 receptions, 466 yards, uh, two TDs, and was averaging 13 yards per catch. And then as soon as Norv left, the biggest thing that went down was his uh, yards per catch. Um, so I think that the offense, he became less of this deep threat, stretch the field, explosive guy, uh, seemingly, at least in play calls, and, play calls. and became and, and more kind of an underneath guy. guy. So I was, that's, that's my biggest hit on him. All right. Yeah, I don't know. I, Diggs is always weird. That, that Vikings offense is a travesty. And, uh, and they're going to be one receiver less. They're going to be out there without Cordero Patterson, who they only just last year figured out how to use. So, I don't know. So, yeah, but yeah. we'll see We'll see how he does in, uh, in Oakland now. Yeah. Um, interesting. Awesome. So, we'll, yeah. we're going to touch on, since it is wide receiver week uh, at fake teams, we've been doing dedicated positional weeks for the last, starting two weeks ago, we had quarterback week. Running back week last week. This week is wide receiver week, so we're writing a bunch of articles all themed around wide receivers and in fantasy football. Uh, next week we'll be doing tight ends, so stay tuned for that. Uh, today I wrote a article on wide receiver sleepers, and I gave five guys who I think you got who I think everyone should be keeping eyes on. Uh, so we'll just talk about kind of two guys who were kind of think think are going to be good sleepers. Um, I'm super sold on DeAndre Hopkins coming back in a major way. Uh, he's right now being drafted in the third round uh, and is ranked as a wide receiver 13. I think you can blame most of Hopkins' poor season last year from uh, both Brock Osweiler, uh, because Brock Osweiler is just garbage, and but mainly because <laughs> the biggest... Don't hold back. Don't hold back. Don't hold back. The biggest thing that I was actually seeing uh, when I was when I was writing this article is the fact that Hopkins only received nine targets in the red zone throughout the entire year last year, as opposed to in his 2015 season when he just set the world on fire, he had 22 targets from inside the 20. Uh, so that to me is just telling, and and his touchdown production obviously shows for that he had six touchdowns in the red zone alone in 2015. And I think he had four touchdowns total last year. Um, so that to me, I think the Texans are going to quickly address that, or I at least would hope they would as a competent football team. Uh, and if they do, I believe Hopkins is going to go shooting right back up to where he was in 2015, probably around, I would say a top 10 receiver, uh, possibly top eight sneaking into that area. What do you think about what's going to happen with that quarterback position? Are they going to go go right uh, right into Watkins, or what's your thought by midseason? What's going to do? What's that going to do to that receiving number? So I think I do think that they're going to go Watson Watson sooner rather than later. Um, again, first preseason game, take everything with a grain of salt. Uh, but Tom Savage looked lost in that game. Uh, the Panthers' defense was all over him. 
and they could not move it. And Watson just brings the added versatility of being able to run and kind of extend plays with his legs. And I also just think the Texans are, they put, you know, they invested the 12th overall pick in him. They're going to want to get this guy out there and get him going quickly because quarterback sells tickets and rookie quarterback sells even more tickets. Uh, yes. Um, one of the guys I was, I was looking at, we were talking about before we got started here. Uh, I think golden Tate's kind of going under drafted at this point. Um, uh, looking at ESPN, they've got him being drafted at the uh, ADP of 48. Um, there's a 22nd receiver taken. That's crazy. Um, yeah, it seems a little weird. I mean, like there's some of these guys up there ahead of that where I don't know if the production has been quite, I don't know. I, I, I think part of it is the golden Tate started off slowly last year. He got going. He was down the stretch, a guy who really helped carry your team if you had him. And if you started with the, you know, that hot start of Marvin Jones and felt you were on fire, like I did in one of my, <laughs> then you watched Marvin Jones kind of disappear down the stretch. Uh, I think Golden Tate's going to start faster this year, and he's going to be valuable. Uh, I think he's better than twenty-two. Uh, he's a top 15, maybe top 10, depending on how some of this goes. They're definitely going to be a, a team that still wants to throw. And he's going to be the, the top guy they're going to be looking to. And there's no Anquan Bolden this year. so that That is very true. I feel like that is getting underrated um, because... We put up about him going to the Bills. I saw that was just on the site the yeah. uh, last couple of days. Yeah, he put up eight touchdowns last year, which I feel like, and and, and had, I think was in the 80s or 90s in terms of targets. Um, so he's definitely leaving a, a vacancy in that Detroit offense. And I agree with you. One of the things I much prefer to see a player end the season hot, and I trust that that can continue into the next season rather than someone who had hot streaks early or midseason uh, and relying on that to somehow conjure itself back up at the start of the next season okay. what's another name you got uh, another name i have dante moncrief and i've been also i've been <laughs> also awesome. awesome. oh, yeah. yeah i've also been on the dante moncrief hype train uh he's currently getting drafted in seventh round uh wide receiver 34 and similarly or i talked about this way way earlier in the pod he is someone who i think is suffering from the end of end of season uh, injury forgetfulness that he got he only played nine games last year uh, and then spent the rest of the second part of the season injured and I know I literally just said that I like players who get hot in the second part of the season to carry that <laughs> option and I'm talking about how this guy got injured for the second part but uh, the biggest thing that Moncrief has going for him is touchdowns and <clears throat> he scored he led the Colts in touchdown receptions with seven despite missing uh, six games or seven games. He also was third in touched in red zone targets despite missing seven games. Uh, so clearly, I think clearly he's Luck's safety blanket in the red zone. I think, uh, I mean, Jack Doyle and T.Y. Uh, Ty, Ty Hilton, who both played the full season, you know, they ended up, T.Y. ended up with 15 targets in the red zone and, uh, Doyle ended up with 13. So Moncrief brings big body receiver who's shown success already at in the red zone and catching contested balls. Uh, and I could see that being the role that he finds himself in. And secondly, or to back it up, whatever, the Colts <laughs> don't really have anyone else behind him. Uh, Philip Dorsett hasn't done squat. 
they traded Dwayne Allen out to the Patriots. Um, so I think Moncrief, despite the injury, is pretty locked in at that second receiver. And I think that he's going to be able to put up stats, especially in the uh, touchdown department. Okay. Um, I guess one of the other people that I'd, I'd kind of looked at here, and I just see how low he is. And I guess somebody who there were some injury issues here. Uh, going somewhere around 110, uh, around 45 at the receiver position is Jeremy Macklin with Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And I think he matches what Baltimore does. I mean, he's still got speed. He's still got ability. He's still got, uh, he's, he's produced. Yeah. He's continued to produce a couple different systems at this point. And, uh, Flacco is a big arm guy who wants to throw deep and his coaches always want him to throw deep. Uh, he doesn't run that control ball set. He wants to put the ball downfield. I think Macklin really does kind of give them what they want. I'm actually kind of surprised he's as far down there uh, right now on ESPN. He's being picked behind Cameron Meredith <laughs> picked behind, uh, Randall Cobb, Kenny Britt, Adam Thielen. Um, that's a whole bunch of number two receivers there. Uh, well, not Cameron, I guess he's. I think he's probably the one right now. But I mean, Randall Cobb's the third Packer being picked right. ahead of Jeremy Macklin at this point for wide receivers. Um, he's got a wide receiver two potential. Uh, he's definitely somebody who can fall in there on your flex easily. I think. I think he's got it. I would put him somewhere up there a little higher. Can't remember how I had him ranked, but. That's that's a guy who has a ceiling that's going to get you into some of those other positions there, and he's going to be around in those later picks. If he's going around the eleven, the beginning of the eleventh round in a standard ten team league, um, if you can get him in the tenth or the eleventh there, uh, I think that's a that's a great pick. Uh, he's likely your top bench player, and he's got the possibility of being a very good starter uh, somewhere along the line there. So that one seems. Little low, yeah. Right? That, does, that does seem definitely that does, definitely does seem low. That seems to me, and again, it might just be, I don't know, for whatever reason, the reason the Ravens getting disrespected. Because I remember last year and even this year, still, Mike Wallace has also always been very underdrafted. I feel like, uh, given what he's been able to produce, where do you see those two guys kind of bouncing out, and whether or not Flacco plays? Do you think that Flacco makes a difference from the initial onset? <sighs> I, yeah, I guess I'm not sure on some of that. Uh, it's kind of the way I'm just looking at seeing that he's got, I don't know. I'll be interested to see how they start off this preseason, yeah. I guess. See kind of where they're lining it up, um, who's getting some of the early looks, um, and what they're trying to do uh, in regard to that. So it's going to be something to take a look at. I mean, we don't have anything on film on these guys yet. So, I mean, well, they do, but we don't. <laughs> you and I, unless exactly. we were for their practice cams. <laughs> but you're in, you probably got it somewhere. <laughs> somewhere stashed, stashed away. <laughs> uh, again, a delightful and perfect. God, you think that we'd be doing this as our actual jobs. Uh, transition into just finally, we've got actual football. The football season has started. Um, even though the preseason is, yeah, it's fun. It's a lot less fun when you're not a fan of the team and you're just after the first quarter, you're like, why do I care anymore? Um, <laughs> but anyways, but so yeah, give me give me a game that you're excited for for this weekend. We've got a bunch of games tomorrow. There's, I believe, a game Friday, and, and then of course this weekend is packed with the, with the first preseason game. Give me a game that you're excited to watch from a 
both a fantasy and or just a just a general football perspective. Well, I mean, not just to be a homer here, but the Packers Philadelphia has some things that are going to be worth watching. Uh, seeing what the Packers do now that they went out and got uh, Lance Kendricks and Martellus Bennett, see what they're going to do with that formation, see what they're going to have there. It's not going to be a great showing because I believe they've already announced that Hundley is starting, uh, Brett Hundley, the backup, um, who I guess would be interesting if you're going into dynasty leagues because my guess is Hundley is going to be on a trade block by the end of the season. Fair somewhere um i think he's gonna likely have a pretty good preseason uh although i personally wish the packers would play rogers more because i think it hurts his first quarter of the regular season um we talked about alshon jeffrey a little bit earlier too i think that's gonna be interesting to see uh see him and jordan matthews and possibly even a sighting of nelson algalore um hey man evidently camp has been just raving about him, which I find very surprising. <laughs> I, I've already told you what I feel about camp raving. About. <laughs> just, I just, they're lying to you. They are lying to me, and I don't appreciate being lied to. I'll just go talk to my children if I want that. Uh, <laughs> so, I don't know. I want to see what Alshon Jeffrey is going to do. Uh, his last two years have been a little kind of injury prone and, and a little down, so I don't know what I'm going to get there. It's going to be interesting. I think, uh, of course, Thursday night, uh, 6 p.m. here, uh, we're all going to be glued to our TV sets to see exactly what Jay Cutler is going to be doing against the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, uh, <laughs> new quarterback, Miami Dolphins. Jay Cutler. Uh, not only for Jay Cutler's sake, but what is it going to look like for those receivers? you got Kenny Stills. Uh, you're going to have Jarvis Landry. You're going to have um, Jay Adai. You're going to have to look at what that team's going to look like yeah. now. The, playing with a completely different set of, uh, we'll call them skills, behind center. Um, so that'll be interesting, I think, at least to get get a look at that. I'll be interested to see if that, if adding an arm, arm talent, I know Jay Cutler is just wildly erratic, but adding an arm, <laughs> an arm talent like that, I wonder if that, uh, wonder what that will do for Stills, and particularly Devontae Parker, who is that kind of big, downfield stretch you know grab contested balls uh, i wonder if that will do anything because ryan Tannehill is definitely does not have the arm talent uh, that jay cutler does but they're both really good at throwing interceptions so i guess that'll translate yeah we've missed him in green bay uh, <laughs> oh poor Chicago. well it's okay you got mike but, lennon and, that, and mitch trubisky yes. taking over there we'll um, see how that I'm excited to watch the 49ers and Chiefs mainly just because I want to see how the 49ers that was offense next on my list, yeah, yeah looks looks like under Kyle Shanahan. I'm very big on Carlos Hyde as a potential you know ba- uh, breakout season purely because I think he fits very well into Shanahan's system and I think he kind of can play that uh, Devontae Freeman kind of type role where he's a strong, powerful runner, but also can catch the ball out of the backfield. So I'm going to be, I'm very curious to see, I know we probably won't see too much of Hyde and, and maybe too much really kind of what Shanahan has planned, but I'll be interested to see how that kind of offense looks and is constructed. In a, in a dynasty setting, I'll be interested in seeing what Patrick Mahomes starts to look like. Yeah, that's true. Probably not so much this year as next year. Um, I want to see him get, I mean, he's had a training camp, but he hasn't a full off season. Right. Uh, there's a very big difference between you know getting there and doing anything in training camp and having a full off season. Um, 
And in terms of the Packers, like I mentioned earlier, too, that full offseason, this is going to be the first offseason that Ty Montgomery's had as a running back. He yeah. did not have a season as a running back last year. I think that's going to be a big difference here. Uh, I think that's going to be big for Mahomes going into the next season. But it's going to be interesting to get a look at him here in that game. Uh, we're not going to see a ton of starters, but we're probably going to see you know, a good bit of Patrick Mahomes and see what he does. I don't know about him. Uh, yeah. He's like Brett Favre without having the talent of Brett Favre. And uh, I, it, when when I die of my stroke uh, at 42, it will partially be Brett Favre's fault. So, I don't know. I don't, we'll be interested to see how that I goes. Just, I, I just sister-in-law is a uh, big uh, Kansas City Chiefs fan, so we'll be uh, we'll uh, eagerly looking at my, my Twitter account as that game goes on. I'm just, I just love the fact that the Chiefs drafted pretty much the exact opposite of Alex Smith as their quarterback. Right. It's like, let's go away from the conservative, can't throw 15 yards down the field to the gunslinger who just rips it 50 yards with reckless abandonment. I love uh, it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Andy Interesting. Reed. It'll be fun to watch, though, right? For those of us who don't care about how the Chiefs finish. But, I mean, uh, yeah. Give me. Pat- I, I care in a uh, tangential sort of way in that I, I would prefer my sister in law to be happy. But uh, other than that, it's just uh, it's a circus. Not my circus, not my monkeys. Hey, man, that's that's how I uh, that's how I watch the Packers. I watch it and care about it for my fiance. She she has grew up in Wisconsin, so is a massive Packers fan, and so I got to uh, make sure I support them occasionally from time to time. Uh, beautiful, excellent. Well, what a success! First round, we yeah. finally got it. We got it recorded, and everything's ready to go. Uh, so we will be posting this. I'll be posting this online. I'm trying to figure out who we're going to host it with, but we'll find someone and we'll get it out on iTunes. Uh, so make sure to like and subscribe. Give us a rating. Give us five stars. Tell us how awesome we are. Uh, and we'll be coming out with these hopefully on a weekly basis, starting to get them out for I think Thursdays will probably be a good day to come out. So make sure to tune back in and keep listening. Uh, and until next week, I, as always, I'm your host, Peter Rogers, joined by Jonathan Barnett. Uh, and you're listening to the RB1 Fantasy Football Podcast.